I just don't understand why Congress would pass a bill that strips us of our authority in the height of an opioid epidemic. Why do you think that is? Because I think that the drug industry, the manufacturers, wholesalers, distributors, and chain drug stores have an influence over Congress that has never been seen before. Pretty explosive story out of 60 Minutes in the Washington Post about uh, how this opioid epidemic has happened and is continuing to happen. And Lenny Bernstein of the Washington Post, who writes about health and medicine, among other things, joins us to talk about the story. Lenny, uh, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you, and uh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, First of all, kudos for some really great, long-form, serious journalism about a serious issue. Why don't we start with the mind-boggling numbers of people who have died in the opioid uh, epidemic? Yes, um, that is a very good place to start. There have been since 2000, 200,000 people have died just from prescription opioids. Uh, Many more thousands from heroin and fentanyl. Uh, 2016 is on pace to be the worst year for drug drug overdose deaths in America. We are probably going to exceed 60,000 when they're all uh, accounted for uh, at the end of this year. And it's not hyperbole for people to call this the worst drug epidemic in U.S. history with the the crack cocaine epidemic of uh, back in the day and meth and everything else? Uh, it's no question that in terms of death, it is the worst epidemic in American history. It's not hyperbole by any stretch of the imagination. It's um, uh, the fellow who, who you played the clip of earlier, Joe Ranazisi, said he, he uh thinks this made the crack epidemic look like nothing, and frankly, I've heard that from other people. So we've lost multiples of the number of men we lost in Vietnam, which is for some reason a juxtaposition that really struck me in reading the piece. But let's talk about what the investigation that you guys did was about. What uh, what did Congress do? What were they uh, hmm, bribed to do and by whom? And that's my word, not yours. Of course, you're a responsible journalist. We would never use that word. So um, a tiny bit of history. Uh, The opioid epidemic started in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it was really exploding by 2006, 2007. The DEA under Joseph Renazisi realized this and uh, came in and decided there's no way that we can just keep playing whack-a-mole with bad doctors and bad pharmacies and arresting them one at a time. There are hundreds of millions of pills spilling out onto the street, and users and dealers are are getting hold of them, and they are overdosing. So they went after these large distributors, and these are gigantic companies. McKesson is the fifth largest company in America of any kind, not just drug companies. Wow. Um, and you've never heard of it, right? Right. right. Correct. I'd never heard the name in my life. Me neither. Um, Amerisource Bergen and Cardinal Health are in the top 25. They're gigantic companies, but they realize, hey, here's a chokehold. If we can get these guys to follow the law, then that's a choke point for the drugs. All they have to do is report to the DEA when they see any kind of suspicious quantities, patterns, or frequency of drugs going to a bad to a bad pharmacy or several bad pharmacies. Then we can move in, do our job, and it's a much more efficient thing. The tool they used against these guys when they declined to do it or where they were warned over and over again is called an immediate suspension order. And that would allow the DEA, after warnings and trying to get these people to follow the law, to walk in there, 
shut down their commerce in controlled substances and say, okay, no more drugs are going out until you guys start following the law. That is what Congress took away. And, of course, the question is why? The law was billed uh, throughout the whole time that it was uh, working its way through both houses as something that was going to help legitimate pain patients get their drugs, that there has been a disruption in the supply chain, mostly because of DEA. They were they were cracking down too hard on um, le- on the companies, and drugs were not getting to legitimate pain patients, and there's millions of folks out there who do use narcotics legitimately. Was that actually happening? <sighs> no, not to the best that we can ascertain. Um, there really isn't a supply problem to the people who need these things. People who suffer from the pain of cancer, the pain of end-of-life diseases, are getting their drugs by and large. I won't say you won't find somebody who says, I had trouble with my pharmacist because he's afraid of the DEA. You will. But by and large, those folks do get their drugs. And more importantly, this law did nothing to help them. The only thing it does in that area is to authorize a study of whether or not these people were getting their drugs and whether the DEA was disrupting those. So the the, the name of the bill, the Ensuring uh, Patient Access and Effective Drug Enforcement Act, is a complete falsehood. It didn't ensure that people who needed the drugs get them any any better than they did, and it weakened enforcement rather than strengthened it. Lenny Bernstein of the Washington Post is on the line. Lenny, I was surprised... Um, that the Obama administration went a, went along with a move like this, because as I understand from your article, it was mostly Republicans in the House who were getting big, fat contributions to fight against this stuff. But uh, the president could have vetoed it, right? Right. No more surprise than we were, right? Because, and we had to ask that question over and over and over again, why would Obama sign it? And what it came down to is that by the time it went to the White House, justice and the DEA had basically given up the fight. They were afraid to expend the political capital, we think, that would would have been required to derail this bill, which was winging its way through Congress on unanimous consent. And they basically negotiated the best deal they could get, and then they folded their tent, and they didn't make a ruckus in the Senate, and they didn't make a ruckus uh, in the White House. And... Uh, you know, they, they probably looked at the tea leaves and they said, this thing has overwhelming support. It's going to happen. We're going to cut our losses here and make a deal. But yes, why would Barack Obama, who was who was very aggressive on the opioid crisis, sign this bill? So people must have been misled. I mean, I'm not cynical enough to believe that Barack Obama and all these other people were, were, were thinking to themselves, well, people are dying in the streets, but all I know is we're getting campaign contributions or lobbyists, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that. So they, they were all just misled? They all believed this crap story that old people weren't getting their cancer drugs somehow? So this is one of the surprising things about Washington that a lot of people don't realize, is that a lot of bills do pass by unanimous consent. The senators and congressmen rely on each other to alert uh, to alert each other where where something is controversial. If it's not controversial, if it's not seen as controversial, if both uh, parties sign off on it, if the agency affected is not squawking, then a lot of times these things go through without very much um, dissent, without very much debate, even all the way through the White House. And, you know, it, it, it's part of the swamp. It's part of the swampy uh, atmosphere. <laughs> it's a terrible metaphor, but it's part of the swampy nature of of uh, Washington that, 
these things go through like this. So were they misled? I don't know. They certainly weren't paying attention. You know, I thought unanimous consent was like for declaring National Blueberry Day or, or welcoming <laughs> war heroes back right. home. I didn't realize something this impactful and, and controversial could go through on that basis. But now we know better, I guess. Right. Naming naming post offices. Well, what I think happened is that the uh, drug industry lawyer who who helped write the bill in the beginning for for uh, Congressman Marino, I think he took advantage of this. Well, it's just amazing because hundreds of thousands of dollars went into campaign chests and this law was uh, changed or defeated and, and, and tens of thousands have died. Tens of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands if you well, go back to 2000. Well, right. Yeah, certainly. I'm just thinking, you know, post, uh, you know, the, when most of the action took place in your article. Um, and it's just uh, it's amazing to me that nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares much. Although, obviously, you guys do and have done a, a very good job of, of exposing it. Hey, the clip on uh, 60 Minutes last night of uh, s- somebody on the, the drug side of the equation. In the a, drug companies? The drug companies yeah. in a hearing saying these aren't addictive, these painkillers. What, what was that all about? So back in 2000 and 2001, uh, Purdue Pharma, which it produced OxyContin, um, put on a very strong campaign, both with doctors and Capitol Hill and uh, the public in general, to persuade people that, you know what, these pills really aren't all that addictive. And you can use them not just for cancer pain and end-of-life pain, but... Use them as an after-dinner mint. They're fantastic. <laughs> you can use them for low back pain. Exactly. You can use them for knee pain. You can use them for a sprained ankle. Well, we all know what happened, right? A generation of Americans got addicted to these things, and Purdue Pharma paid a $650 million fine for those for misbranding its drugs and, and pulling that one over on the public. So, But back in 2001, they were in the middle of that campaign. Well, that guy and, was clearly lying, right? In retrospect, he was clearly lying. They 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 were charged criminally with with um, and uh, paid a six hundred fifty million dollar fine for telling those lies. Woo, that's a big fine. Well, hey, there is a lot in the piece. There's a lot in the sixty minutes report. Of course, uh, I'm a man of letters, so I read the Washington Post version. Uh, but thank you, sir. You can watch the boob tube if you like. But we'll have a link so people can find it easily and go through it. There's a hell of a lot there, and it's you know, and we've talked about this for a long time, Lenny. With all due respect to new media and blogs and and then HuffPo and the rest of it, hardcore long term. Many months of study journalism is something we desperately need as a country, and, and, and well done, we say. Thank you. We, we are in an almost unique position along with you know, a handful of others that can still do this, and um, we cherish it. God, if it ever goes away, we're doomed. doomed. It's, well, it's gone away on the local level in cities. There's nobody going to the, the, the city council meetings and writing the long stories anymore. We're all, we're all doomed. You realize that, don't you? Uh, the regional papers have really taken yeah. it on the chin. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Lenny Bernstein, Washington Post, writes about health, medicine, uh, et cetera. Lenny, uh, really a pleasure. Well done. Let's talk again sometime. Thank you. Anytime. All right, great. Thanks. I not only didn't read the Post version, I didn't even watch the 60 Minutes. I had somebody put on a puppet show with most of the information from the 60 Minutes. With all little words. I had to be, yes, with smaller words. <laughs> puppet show. <laughs> to contribute to your campaign, but I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> Puppets are human beings, too. I wonder if this story is a big enough deal to to, to accomplish anything. I don't know. <laughs>
Because I'm going with, I'm not cynical enough to believe that they're cool with everybody dying. They just actually believed they were agreeing to something else. Mm, maybe. Combination of factors. Uh, but yeah, are, are, are presidents so effing busy? You can't hire a couple of people that look at every bill you sign and like really give it the once over before you sit down and sign it? You know, I, I don't know. But the fact that you know, five, six years ago, the pharmaceutical companies were pumping out hundreds of millions of these pills to every corner pharmacy and fake doctor in America, and Congress would do nothing to stop them while somebody standing there smoking a dube listening to Wilco and Golden Gate Park was at risk of, you know, arrest or what have you. It's right. just, it's obscene. That is, that is pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. And this year, as he said, is going to be worse than the previous years. So we're not even close to right turning the tide on this. Hasn't even peaked. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. It was reported that North Korean hackers stole a number of military documents from South Korea, including a plan to assassinate Kim Jong-un. Though all the plan says is, wait for diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Funny, it's a fat joke is what it is. I get it. I get it. Um. <laughs> wow! Did you read that stuff about their hacking abilities? Yeah. North Korea yes. finally—they're yes. they're finally getting respect. They're a hacking superpower. Yeah, they're as good as anybody in the world. Who's a dotard now, huh? It's troubling. It is. Maybe we'll get into that later. I don't know. God, I hope we're good at this. I really—it wouldn't surprise me a bit that in five, ten, twenty years or whatever. It becomes very clear that we're like second, third tier in the cyber war capabilities. Oh, boy. We got all the nuke bombs more than anybody else. But cyber, we're just way back there for a bunch of BS bureaucracy, political dumb reasons. We're just way behind. It wouldn't shock me. I hope we're the best. We've probably got a bunch of like 55-year-old computer novices in charge because of some sort of seniority. Right, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, I hear you. Oh, that'd be so frustrating. A couple of different things for you I came across over the weekend. So uh, Harvey Weinstein's wife, Georgina Chapman, who runs this fashion uh, label that I'd never heard of because I don't run in those circles, Marchessa, I guess it's really high-dollar clothes and stuff like that. You anyway, have to tell me. A bunch of people quit the board, and people aren't buying their stuff. And I came across this quote in the New York Post. I tell my brides to bring pages from magazines, and Marchessa is always included. This is not the way our wedding worked, by the way. <laughs> um, but now they're getting cold feet. They don't want the association. The first question when someone's getting married is, who are you wearing? And no one wants to say Marchessa. Oh, boy. Who who here or listening right now lives a lifestyle where the first question asked, or is the question ever asked? Right. <laughs> when you mention you're getting married is, who are you wearing? See, that's interesting, because in my relationship, that would be the last question asked. Because as soon right. as that got asked, I'm gone. Right. I'm out of here. Bye. The only, time, the only time I want you to ask me, who are you wearing, is if I'm wearing human skin. <laughs> Jim, Jim in accounting is who I'm wearing. That's <laughs> Killed just a, him and skinned him. It's something that your life is so uh, narrow to your little circle 
that that make that sentence makes sense to you. The first question when someone's getting married is, "Who are you wearing?" Boy, not for anybody wow. normal. It just never comes up. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, that is a sub subculture. And I came across this uh, article about Pink and her husband. Pink was the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. She's got a new album out, so she's got a new bunch of interviews out. Clever gal, very talented. Mm-hmm. And her and her husband, Corey, Carrie Hart, not Corey Hart, a pop star of the 80s, Carrie Hart, they've been married for 11 years. Congratulations. And she said this. I thought it was interesting. They're, they're married and raising two kids. There are moments when I look at Hart, and he is the most thoughtful, logical, constant. He's like a rock in our family. He's a good man. He's a good dad. He's just the kind of d- dad I thought he'd be, and then some. And then there are times, there are weeks when I look at him and go, I've never liked you. There's nothing I like about you. We have nothing in common. I don't like any of the same S you like. I don't ever want to see you again. Then two weeks later, I'm like, things are so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about I don't know about that level of extreme, but right. I think that's fairly common, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Things are great. This is better than I ever even thought. Well, things are not going well. <laughs> But I ever convinced myself this was the right thing to do. I have tried to teach my children that you don't have a real relationship until you've gone through the first period of never wanting to see them again. (laughs) That when when you emerge from the other end of that, then you have a real relationship. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, those creative types are so volatile. I'm sure she is extra dramatic in her descriptions, but. Sure, especially you got the little kids and everything. Of course, yeah. 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 That's good stuff. I like her. Why does she got to twirl above the audience so much? I remember when the music was the thing. When you just a pretty melody was enough. <laughs> All this twirling, it makes me dizzy to watch it. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> was she trying to decide between being a singer and a circus performer and couldn't decide? <laughs> kind of landed on something in between. Yeah, exactly. What's her deal? I don't know. Very, very creative, though. I like her songs. And Jeremy the Lefty Snail is dead. I don't know if you caught this internet sensation. I missed it. This uh, was a big deal for like a day, apparently. Was he assaulted? <sighs> Good one. I, get I like it. that one. I get a it. joke. I'll be here all week, everybody. The brown garden snail won international fame for a mutation that caused his shell to coil to the left instead of the right. Oh. Making it difficult to mate with other snails. Sure. And Jeremy, the lefty snail, became a meme of some sorts that traveled the globe. And now uh, somebody stepped on him or he got... <laughs> uh, something happened, but he's dead now. Wow. So were people like trying to hook him up with other snails or whatever? I'll find you, girl. Don't we all have our Jeremy the Lefty Snail quirk or, you know, that sort of thing? Find some cross-eyed snail whose his shell pattern would look normal, too. <laughs> and <laughs> For they do instance. It. And then one football note, Aaron Rodgers, what, he broke his neck or had his heart yanked out of him or something. I he, believe he dislocated his, his, what, his heart yanked out of him? Just, no, he dislocated his throwing shoulder and is probably out for the year. Yeah. It's a tragic loss to the NFL. That's a big deal, right? Chico's own. I attempted to watch the end of an NFL game yesterday and just was bored. I'm off it. I'm I'm done. I'm 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 my uh, addiction is cured. Do you feel that you're better than people who do watch the NFL? Oh, way better than them. <laughs> so much fun up here, isn't it? <laughs> oh my god. Yes, look at look at you uh, down there. Look at you mortals. On the other hand, I have watched every bit of well, not that's not entirely true. Virtually every bit of the Cubs Dodgers series. And that, again, that's Cubs Dodgers, not Dodgers Cubs. Uh although the Dodgers who may be the best team ever 
Um, our, our, well, if you spend $300 million or whatever they've spent, you should have the best team ever. They are uh, whooping up on my poor cubbies. We'll see, though. Back to Chicago. We'll see what happens now. Huh? Huh? Dodger fans? <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Yeah, we got some bad news from the front lines of the Northern California wildfires. They're examining the Vegas shooter's brain right now. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad they're looking at his brain. Looking for clues. And so he didn't blow his brain out? I mean, it, when he killed himself? Well, got a big old hole in it, but there's some mm-hmm. left. And a passenger jet suddenly drops 20,000 feet. So what does the flight crew do? Well, it's not good. I'm glad you're doing this story because I've always wondered about that. Uh I have details for you coming up in minutes. Uh Uh-oh. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So I didn't see any baseball, any football. I didn't watch any sports. I don't watch any sports anymore. I kind of miss it. Like I saw, I saw like a brief highlight of baseball, and I thought, you know what? I love playoff baseball. Yep. Playoff baseball is awesome. Oh yeah. It it might be the best thing is playoff baseball. It's but, very good. Yeah. It's excellent. Have your kids not shown much interest in in the game? Eh, if I turn it on, they'll watch a little bit. But yeah. I don't know. I thought about that the other day when I was uh, Sam's age. I would watch football games with my dad. I don't know. What's wrong with me? I'm just a bad parent. Clearly, the problem is. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, we've got another death being reported in connection with the Northern California wildfires. Cal Fire is saying that a contract firefighter died after the water truck he was driving rolled over. Oof. Now, fire crews have been working nonstop in battling the fires in the North Bay, and fatigue could have been a factor in that crash. The driver becoming the 41st victim so far associated with the fires. There's 11,000 firefighters battling 14 major blazes across the state right now. How many people are still missing? Uh, last I saw about 174, at least in one county, more over the entire area. What, what, what are people saying? Or is anybody saying anything? Because a week is a long time yeah. to be missing if you're okay. Right. Even with the cell phone yeah. problems, etc. Yeah. You didn't get a hold of anybody in a week. Just doesn't seem that likely. I mean, so are people hinting that that number might really skyrocket? Or they over the weekend they were talking about, yeah, you might want to expect uh, expect the uh, death toll to really tick up. Yeah. What they're doing is they're going backwards. They're trying to find, you know, okay, you haven't heard from this person. Do you know their phone number? Then they get the address. Then they try to get out to the person's home to see if there's anybody there, anything left, and then they have to go through it with cadaver dogs. So, boof. President Trump cheering the national economy. He's hosting a cabinet meeting right now. Trump saying there's tremendous optimism across the U.S., repeating his call for the massive tax cuts and serious tax reform. Meantime, the president said prescription drug prices are out of control, saying big pharmaceutical companies are, quote, getting away with murder. In the light of the Washington Post, 60 Minutes, Story Armstrong and Giddy been telling you about this morning, dealing with Congress, willingness to water down DEA abilities, to deal with the opioid crisis, Trump is right in more ways than one. The big pharmaceutical companies making so much money is the sort of thing that Democrats should be howling about, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that uh, something that you, as a Democrat, you hate that? Big companies making lots of profit? <laughs> the shooter's brain is now the focus of the investigation into a possible motive for the Las Vegas mass killings. Specialist at Stanford, Stanford University, looking for evidence of conditions such as dementia or CTE, which can lead to violent behavior. 
the shooter killing 58 people, injuring nearly 500 others. So they're taking a look at his brain to see if there's any clues there. California's Governor Brown has vetoed a bill requiring presidential candidates to share their five most recent years of tax returns in order to get on the California ballot. What's his reasoning? He said he didn't think it's constitutional. Oh, I, I, yeah, because he's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, no way yeah. that that's mandatory right. by law. No, but, and, and the whole point of an election is either I want the kind of person that will release them or not. Mm-hmm. That's the way an election works. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, astonishing. Well, it's not astonishing. It's one of those things that's shocking but not surprising that both houses of the California legislature would pass this tripe. You know, knowing it's unconstitutional, but it's virtue signaling and it's pandering to their base, even though it's it never had a chance, constitutionally speaking. And I would like to salute the ancient governor of California for his veto. Air Asia flight from Perth, Australia to Bali yesterday suddenly dropped 20,000 feet all at once. Well, the passengers who are on board that flight are charging the flight crew, screamed and panicked, causing panic among the passengers. One of the stewardesses was running down the aisle screaming, put your belts on, put your belts on, tighten your oxygen masks, and they all dropped out of the ceiling, and they kept yelling it out. One at the back of the plane was going off, and the alarms kept going. Well, you're well they were afraid they were going to die. Well, right, but, yeah. so, but that's when it gets scary, right? I've been on planes that drop not four miles like that, but... Um, if the if the stewardesses, the air waitresses, is that what you call them? Sometimes. If the air waitresses seem, you know, more or less calm about it, I think, okay, this is the sort of thing that happened. If they're just going, ah! <laughs> then, then you're horrified. Yeah. We're not prepared. We're not prepared. <laughs> there was an apparent uh, cabin pressurization problem, and the plane dropped in a few minutes from 34,000 feet down to 10,000 feet, the altitude that it's standard practice for pilots to go to. If the cabin depressurizes. You see in the little door and the pilots both have their heads thrown back. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> or they're just crying softly. Uh, well, okay, so it was it was not like a, a, a catastrophic drop or a mechanical problem drop. The pilots intentionally descended very quickly. That's one of the stories out well, there. Don't be screaming. Well, gonna, well, the problem was they got on a, yeah. a, a GD speaker and said, Oh, we'd be there, Everybody's like, did you have any idea what he just said? <laughs> the plane starts going down. <laughs> Speak up! Uh, director Woody Allen has weighed in on the Harvey Weinstein sex scandal. Woody's saying, you know, it's sad for everybody involved. He did an interview with the BBC expressing sadness for both the victims and Weinstein, saying the disgraced Hollywood mogul's life is really messed up right now. Allen also said he worried that the growing sexual assault and harassment allegations against Weinstein could lead to a witch hunt in which every guy who winks at a woman needs a lawyer to defend himself. Bad move, Woody. Yeah. You know, hey, bad move. Shut up. Decent <laughs> enough point of view in, like, the average workplace, but not Hollywood and not you, Woody. Yeah, you especially. You. You, you can't be the, let's not go too far with this guy. Right. You don't want to be that guy. Right. <laughs> let's all shed a tear for those who have been fired and jailed for winking. You know what's interesting, though, is... Is that Harvey Weinstein up until, you know, a week ago was doing this, and I'm guessing there are lots of other people doing it, while the the regular among us have become convinced, we're scared to say to a woman, oh, I like your new haircut, because we think we're going to end up 
with some sort of HR problem. Right. right. While for the rich and powerful, they're still just raping people and getting away with it. They get it negotiated into their contracts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I get to rape people. Yeah, nice. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. So, yeah. A little something called the petering out coming up. Yeah, boy. All sorts of stuff we could have crammed into the show. Maybe we'll get to it tomorrow. For instance, you remember that interview we did with, it was a WAPO person, I'm pretty sure, last year. Ten of the wars that could emerge from the war in Syria and oh, Iraq. Yeah. Well, one of them started. At least one of them oh, started Oh, yeah. Already. I saw that over the weekend. It's interesting. Yeah, Iraq has attacked the Kurds. Stay with us. Yeah, and it's hard to not root for the Kurds. It's really hard not to. Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. My name is Seth, and I'm here to say, if you like Trump, then go away. Is that when he gave the finger to the camera? Yeah. Or Seth, that was may have been a little earlier, but it was... Crowd goes wild. That's after a long setup to that punchline. My name is Seth, and I'm here to say if you... If you like Trump, then go away. And the crowd, of course, goes wild because the crowd is all on one side of that. That's right. So nobody voted for Trump. Did you know that in the election? Because, so that was a... I didn't vote for Trump, and I think that's ridiculous. That's a comedy send-up of... Uh, so Eminem last week, we played some of that in his rap. So he said, Eminem said, And any fan of mine who's a supporter of his, talking about Trump, And any fan of mine who's a supporter of his, I'm drawing in the sand a line. You're either for or against, and if you can't decide who you like more and you're split on who you should stand beside, I'll do it for you with this. F you. So Eminem's saying he doesn't want anybody who's a Trump supporter listening to his music, which is kind of interesting because he's a working class, you know, got a lot of that crowd digging him in Michigan. Well, right. And that a lot of that crowd voted Trump. Right. All the states like that, all the people like him went Trump's way. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what are you going to do? It's where we are. Comedians and actors. Guys, bring your bags up to your room, little freaks. (laughs) We got a text. (laughs) The airline stewardesses should be trained that if the plane drops, they should put their hands in the air and go, whee! With a smile on their face, yeah. so we all think, it's, "Hey, this is actually fun." Right? You know, it does feel like an amusement park, doesn't it, honey? <laughs> right, right. Like I get the input. Like you guys are scared. We're scared, but you do this a lot more. We, you, we need you need to be kind of the guide, and we know. Oh, yeah. Well, how that's it. They we were get. being the guide. <laughs> I mean, they were guiding you toward terror <laughs> because it was terrifying. <laughs> we. You didn't have to wonder, should I be afraid? You looked at them and saw, yes, clearly I should be afraid. <laughs> Abject panic. That's what we need. Boy, how high were those people, no pun intended, when they all thought they were about to die and then the plane leveled off and everything was fine? I'll bet there were like 50 babies made in the next five minutes and fast friends for life formed and everybody had to just be high with joy and relief. Oh. I'm buying drinks, everyone. Bring the drink cart back around. I'm buying. <laughs> I don't like giant rushes of adrenaline anymore in my life. Like, oh, no. When I was younger, I sought them out. But I... All right, let's form an orderly line. Those of you who have filled your pants, you can go empty them at the bathroom. No lining up by the cockpit. So this is very serious. Very serious. We'll make it brief. 
I remember talking to Liz Sly mm-hmm. last year. She's Liz great. Sly from the Washington Post. It was uh, I looked it up almost exactly 13 months ago in September of 2016 about her piece, 10 New Wars That Could Be Unleashed as the Result of the One Against ISIS. And we read the piece, both of us, and then we talked to her, and it was like, not only is it conceivable but these ten that these 10 new wars would start, all of them seem like a virtual certainty, which was chilling at the time. And sure enough, war number six, Iraqi Kurds and the Iraqi government. Well, the Iraqi government has just uh, launched attacks into Kirkuk, the airfield and the oil fields and the rest of it trying to fight the Kurds, as the Kurds are predictably saying, look, we're the largest ethnic group on earth without our own country. We got half of us are in Syria, well, part of us, Syria, Iraq, Turkey. We want a Kurdistan. And so now they're they're increasingly asserting their independent urges. and Not a bad argument if you're thinking, listen, we're, we're in a big sandy hellhole. How about we get a little chunk of it to call our own? There haven't been borders, really, for years. We want one. And the borders that were there were made up. Randomly, practically. Yeah. Um. Uh. The, so the Iraq is attacking these Kurds. Some of these people had fought side by side as recently as like a week ago against right. ISIS, and were the key to defeating ISIS when the Iraqi army was still trying to find their ass with either hand. Um. I'm looking at this article. Uh, War number that, one involves what is, the Kurds. What does that expression mean? He couldn't find his ass with both hands. He's incompetent. Well, I know what that means. Even the simplest (laughs) of tasks is beyond him, Jack. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but like both hands is more difficult than one hand. I don't. I I I I just don't know what. I wouldn't get hung up on it. It's a delightful expression. Like the old, you couldn't pour urine out of a boot if the instructions were on the bottom. I get that completely. Hilarious. I love that one. Hilarious. Oh, because you got to read it. Yeah. Yeah, And you were likely to turn the boot upside down. Therefore, pouring the urine out of the boot. Whether you intended to or not. (laughs) Solving your problem of of a urine-filled boot. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. With the whole find your ass with both hands, I just don't. Maybe we'll get to this tomorrow. Despite widespread opposition from law enforcement, Governor Jerry Brown on Wednesday signed a bill that will allow thousands of felons in county jails to vote in California elections. As an effort to pardon, an effort to speed their transition back into society. I didn't know that was a state decision. Uh, yeah, the states uh, have the uh, responsibility of running elections. Hmm. State the state matter. Florida has been doing this for a while. Florida, they just couldn't find any non-felons in Florida. <laughs> Nobody's voting. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Everybody in Florida is a felon. <laughs> I think just for living there. Uh, let's hear our guest announcer. Ah, uh, yes, the guest announcer. I got to take care of something real quick over here. Armstrong's and Gettys. You're going to have your final thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Oh, here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody positive. Sean, your final thoughts. It's good to be vindicated in the National Enquirer. They're ahead of the game. Just a couple of steps behind me on the fact Stevie Wonder is cited. This does not change the fact that I love his music. He's one of my favorite musicians of all time. But let's stop lying to the people, Stevie. It's time. It's Mike, time. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, this week, ring your neighbor's doorbell and ask them about their personal life. Then, in person, tell them how they should raise their children and make judgments on them. Get off your cell phone. Good idea. Marshall Phillips, what is your final thought? Well, I got to tell you, I think uh, mentally I'm in fine shape because, as you know, I very rarely use a cell phone or smartphone. Social media, what is that? Don't or can't? (laughs) Social media, what is that? (laughs) Jack, what is your final thought? (laughs) 
You know, I need a distraction in my life. I think I'll get into the baseball playoffs, but I want to root for the team that's going to win it all. Oh, boy. Which team should I root for? Dodgers. Do you know? Probably the Dodgers, although Houston is a great ball club. So I'll get a Houston hat and a Dodgers hat today. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's nice. Long-time Houston. They're the Astros, right? Long-time Astros fans. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Just alternate whoever won last night's game. Sure. Right. Wow. My final thought is uh, relating to some of the other fellas. We talked at length about this piece in the Atlantic about smartphones and how they're destroying a generation of youth. The key statistic to me was that the uh, suicide rate among 10 to 12-year-old little girls has tripled in the last like seven to ten years God tripled and it's all about social media go to armstrongandgettyradio.com if you are a mom a dad a grandma grandpa an aunt and uncle go read the article have some balls and help your kids understand how unhealthy uh, some of their habits are and slap that thing out of their hands we'll see you tomorrow God bless America this is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. I checked. I'm fully intact. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.